it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Welcome to Lighthouse Faith Podcast, where we are moving forward in truth and love. I'm Lauren Green, Chief Religion Correspondent for Fox News Channel and author of the book, Lighthouse Faith. Uh, They are 26 words in the Bible that are probably some of the most well-known, the title seen in football end zones across the country. If you know other reference point, you actually see these words, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It's, these words are in the New Testament, the fourth and final gospel, the Gospel of John, summarizing in those few words what the entire biblical narrative is about. It's the climax of human history. It is God's core message to a hurting world and to a lost soul. Pastor Max Locato wrote an international best-selling book on John 3.16 in 2007. It was translated into 25 languages, sold millions of copies, of course. He has re- released an updated version of the book, tailor-made for 2022 readers and what we're all going through in these trying times. He says of John 3:16, if you know nothing of the Bible, start here. If you know everything in the Bible, return here. The updated version released February 1st addresses some of the most pressing questions and central issues of life, like, you know, why is the world so hard? Does God have a place for people like me? And don't all roads lead to heaven? The new book is simply called 316, The Numbers of Hope. And Pastor Max joins me now. Welcome. It is so good to hear your voice. You know, I I can't remember the very, very first time we talked, (laughs) but every time we do visit, it is a delight. I I think we might have first met at a restaurant, if I recall. Maybe. Maybe. I remember that when you were releasing your, uh, the movie. Um, mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. remember seeing you there and I didn't recognize you in person. I must have, mm-hmm. I must have interviewed something on, uh, through the TV or something or screens yeah. or something, but I remember that. And I, but, you know, I just, but, and I said to you before we started, it's like, you know, how did you know I needed this today and, and, and tomorrow mm-hmm. and always, but how, how do these words speak to us? This John three sixteen. Yeah. What a, what a treasured scripture it is. Uh, and, and, and there's a reason that John 3.16 has become the life verse for so many people. And I believe it's because each word is a uh, is an open door to mm-hmm. the great ideas and the great promises of Scripture. Uh, and every word uh, can lead us into a, a pasture, if you will, of peace and rest, uh, and every word uh, can lead us to a deeper understanding of why we are on this earth and who God is. Uh, I'm, I am a guy, I like things really simple. And that, that uh, is the reason I've loved John 3.16. It, it, is, it is profound, but it's simple enough that I can write it on a napkin and, and reflect on it. For God so loved the world. You know, every phrase uh, invites me into a, a, a place of promise and hope. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why John three sixteen has endured 
like it has. So why the re-release? I mean, the first, the 2007 yeah. version was um, so incredible. And I have to say that I, did, I had not re- read it. So now I'm looking forward to reading in the entirety mm-hmm. of uh, the 2022 version. But why this well, different version and how is it different? Yeah. When, when uh, a publisher re-releases a book, at least in our case, uh, it, it's usually because we think that the message of the book uh, is, is timing is good for the culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, that it's a good message to deposit in the conversation of a society. And uh, my thinking is that in, in the last few years, when people think of the Christian message, they think of something other than the gospel. They mm-hmm. often think of maybe a political party or an idea, ideology, mm-hmm. uh, a, a certain view on a controversial issue. And so I, I, I wanted the opportunity to, uh, yeah, I think 316 is kind of like a, some chlorine, a, a, a chlorine tablet that you put in a toxic pool. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> it, it, uh, it, it changes things. And, 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 and I understand if somebody turns away or, or, or turn, re- rejects the Christian invitation. But I think it's important that if they do, they're rejecting the Christian invitation and not some, uh, right. some, some hijacked version thereof. And so uh, 316, the reissuing of the book, was just my desire to let people see afresh the beauty, the simplicity, and the hope of, of the Christian gospel. That's, well, that's it. And I think we desperately need it in this day and age. Why, why is life so hard? I mean, individually, yeah. we can say that we all have problems, we all have issues, mm-hmm. but there is a hardness that is coming to us today that is, yeah. that is well, it's a pandemic. And yeah. then there's the rise in crime. There are all mm-hmm. of these, you know, sociological issues um, yeah. that have made life difficult. But why is it so hard? It is so hard. It is. And you know it well in, in the challenges that you've had to face and then in your role in the in the uh, media that you see things as a as you're kind of a traffic director for all of us. Uh, the, the mental health struggles are intense. Anxiety level is off the charts. Suicide rates higher than they've been since World War Two. Wow. I, I, I think what happens is we don't understand why we're on this earth. And I know that's a crazy thing to say, but, but the, but the, the, according to the Bible, the only reason we're on this earth is to say yes or no to this grand invitation from God. And this invitation is, would you like to be a part of living forever in a redeemed world, in a redeemed body, in a perfect society, uh, in a perfect relationship with me, a garden of Eden. Would you like to be a part of that? That's the yes. big invitation. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yes, sign, and, sign and, me up. Yeah. Well, that, and that's the reason we're on this planet is to say yes or no. We we forget and we think, oh, the reason I'm on this planet is to uh, be happy. Or the reason I'm on this planet is to have no problems or to find the love of my life or to have six pack abs or to be good looking. Uh, And and when that doesn't happen, we get disappointed. Uh, Mm -hmm. And and God never said that was going to happen. 
God never said that was going to happen. He said, the reason you're on this earth, here's my invitation. Uh, I've done everything necessary for you to say yes to this invitation, but I've left the final choice up to you. And uh, once I get that, uh, Lauren, I think it helps me because my understanding of why I'm on this earth and my expectations uh, are lowered because I I don't know if I will be happy every day in my life. I don't think I will. I think I'll have some days that are better than others. I'll still face a lot of challenges, but here's what I believe. I believe that the moment I close my eyes here is a moment I'll open my eyes there. And uh, that's, that's the promise that makes this life worth living right there. You know, you talk about, and I, you, you said something that I thought was really right when, when you say that we're on this earth to say yes or no to that invitation, and that you can say no to that invitation in, in so many ways. You can say no to it by, by speaking no or by in your actions. Mm. And I guess looking at the world in what's wrong with the world and what's hard about the world is that millions of us have said in maybe big moments and small moments and medium-sized moments, we've said no to Jesus. We've said, no, I'm not going to forgive. No, I'm not going to um, be content with this, with this income. No, I'm not going to do this. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, it's, it's always in the minutia that the no's have become more profound in us. And I think that's why the world is so hard. Um, Good point. That's you a know? great point. That's a great point. And the, but do you say something, but I want you to get back to this because this is something so, this really struck me when I read the book. Um, it was so profound and, and, and like you always are, so profound, but so simple. Um, you know, it's, I always call it, you know, Josh could have had a V8 moment, um, you know, just like, <laughs> oh my gosh, you know, and he said, problems are best solved when traced to their beginnings, you know? Mm-hmm. How does that work with us? How does that work in John three sixteen? Yeah, in the the uh, the idea of John three sixteen, God built this scripture upon the premise that we are sinners, that apart from Him we cannot save ourselves. Uh, we need help from an outside source. Uh, we've been infected with a COVID of the soul, if you will. Hmm. We, we need we need some help. When I was diagnosed with COVID last August, uh, I'm thankful the doctor who told me I had it also gave me a treatment immediately. And uh, and it really helped. I still felt terrible, yeah. but I, I got through it. And uh, and so with the same manner, God says you <clears throat> every single person who has ever lived has turned their back on God. Every single person has. Uh, All have sinned. Every person has fallen short of the glory of God. We were intended to live in a glorious relationship, an Adam and Eve, Garden of Eden type relationship. But every single person has said, no, I don't want you to be my king. No, I, I know what you say about money. Or I know what you say about marriage, or I know what you say about sex, or I know what you say about possessions. I don't care what you say. I don't want you. And we've all done that, like you said, and sometimes in uh, overt, rebellious manners. Most of the time, it's in these subtle, uh, quiet, uh, you know, subtle rejections mm-hmm. of, of God's will. And so that's the problem right there. That's the problem. So if I lead a life rejecting God, rejecting His promises, you if you do that, and so do four billion people on the planet. Well, that's just going to create a sick, toxic society. 
It's going to create a, a world in which people are hurting each other, rejecting each other, which we don't value the, the beauty of a human being, which we, uh, we, we become racist, we become selfish. It just creates this toxic mess. So, yeah, so, so, so to really deal with the problem, we have to deal with the heart of the problem, and that's the human heart. And that's what Jesus came to do. He came to say, okay, acknowledge this problem. And then once you acknowledge this problem, I will move in. If you invite me, I'll move in and I will, number one, I'll lay claim to you for eternity. And number two, I will begin changing you here while you're, uh, while you're alive on earth. I'll, tr- I'll make you into a better person. And that's the invitation of God. Um, the, you set this up so beautifully um, in the book. You, the verse, John 3.16, appears at a very crucial point in the Bible. And you set it up so well. Um, can you kind of give a brief explanation here of how this comes about in, in Scripture and mm-hmm. how it's set up? Yeah, it, it is, isn't it? And thanks for asking that. You always ask the best questions. <laughs> <laughs> you always do. Well, Nicodemus is the con- the context of John three sixteen, is a man who was the a part of the most religious society of his day, came to Jesus by night. We don't know why he came by night, but we've all assume- assumed it's because he didn't want to be seen in public with Jesus, and uh, he enters into a conversation with Jesus, and Jesus has scarcely said hello to him, not even said hello, and he said. Uh, if anyone wants to see the kingdom of God, you can't even see, you can't even know the kingdom unless you're born again. There's where that phrase comes from. Hmm. Nicodemus is the most religious man of his day. And Jesus is telling the most religious man of his day, hey, you ain't done squat. You need to be born again. (laughs) We all understand what it means to be born. Uh, when you were born, when I was born, though our situations, uh, we had different mothers. We were born in different cities, different hospitals. The one thing you and I have in common is we didn't do anything about our, about our birth. Our mom did that. Yeah. Someone else did all the work. And right. that's what that phrase means. God has to do all the work. Well, Nicodemus came out of a religious world in which it said, we do all the work. We, we try to make God happy. We try to do the good things that please God. Uh, we keep the right rules. We obey the right tenets. But Jesus is saying, nope, it's not up to you. It's up to God. And, and we understand that to mean grace, God's great grace, God's riches come to us through the expense of Christ. He does the work for us. So it's in the context of that conversation with the most religious man in the world and this most religious man who has the, you know, PhD equivalent <laughs> in, in, in good works. Jesus says, no, you ain't done squat yet. Uh, you must be born again. For God so loved the world. He gave his. So God has loved you so much, Nicodemus. He gave his son for you. And Jesus is that son, the one and only son. He gave me for you. And then now, of course, we back out and understand in the context, Jesus was saying, I'm going to be dying on a cross for you. You you can't save yourself through good works. You save yourself through believing in the one and only son. You know, when we all get to heaven, we'll all have different stories. But one thing we'll have in common is none of us are going to boast. 
I'm not going to boast. You're not going to boast. We're going to all look at Jesus and say, he did it. He did it. He gets all the credit because we will have been born again because of the work of the one who, who did the work for us. That is Jesus Christ. Amazing work. Um, we're going to take a break, a small break here on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. Uh, we'll be back with um, Pastor Max Locato in just a moment. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Okay, we are back with Pastor Max Lucado. He has written an updated version of his best-selling book uh, of John 3.16. This one is 3.16, The Numbers of Hope. And um, Pastor Max, before the break, we were talking about how this verse appears in the Bible. You know, it's Nicodemus, a religious leader, like you said, a PhD in theology. I mean, he's got all the letters. He knows every verse in the Bible and whatever he needs to know, he's got it all. And yet he comes to Jesus at night and knows there's something different about him, knows there's something deeper that he's not tapped yet. And he needs to tap that. He needs to he needs to understand where this is coming from. And I think this is what's so powerful about Jesus encounter with everybody in the Bible is that he he doesn't really answer the question that someone's asking. Mm. It's like he sees the deep-seated need, and that's what he responds to. He mm. does. I mean, if I ask him, "Hey, how you doing today?" He, he's yeah. probably not going to answer me. Fine, <laughs> you know, yeah. he's going to say something that speaks to mm. something that I'm not saying, but that I'm feeling. Mm. Is is that's what's amazing about this verse? Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely right. Nicodemus does not come asking a question that would result in a 316 answer, does he? No. Uh, he, he, he really comes, uh, and, and Jesus goes right to the heart of the matter. Unless a person is born again, they cannot even see the kingdom of God. So this is kind of like the continental divide of Scripture, because what Jesus does is he says all these religious rules, all these achievements, all these things that you think have been, you've done or you think you need to do, they're nothing. They're nothing. They're nothing. And, and I think that's what wears people out, uh, turns people away from religion. Mm-hmm. They think, okay, I've just got to keep a bunch of rules. I've got to, you know, not cuss as much. I've got to love people who are not easy to love. Uh, I've got to, you know, I've got to quit smoking or mm-hmm. chewing tobacco or whatever it is, you know, they, they perceive that the Christian faith is a moral code system and it's not, it's a, it's a supernatural gift of God. It's a supernatural gift. Here, here it is. When you say yes to God, God says yes to you and he places his spirit within you and he begins to create a whole new list of want to's and can do's. Uh, you begin to want to. Now, sometimes this is overnight. Sometimes it takes years, okay? But but over time, you begin to want to do things differently. You you begin yeah. to want to forgive people. Or you begin to, and you begin to have new can-dos. What you couldn't do, you begin to be able to say yes to. Again, for, for some people, it seems like it takes a lifetime. For some people, it, it seems like it takes just a night. Uh, but But God will help you. But what matters is that your salvation does not depend upon what you do. It depends on what he's done. 
All you do is believe. You believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the supernatural miracle is taking place in your heart. You know, I want to um, focus on the God so loved, the Mm. idea that he loved us. Um, You talk about the human heart, uh, the the heart of the human heart problem. The problem of the human problem is the heart of the human. Let me say that again. The heart of the human problem is the heart of the human. It gets down to this fundamental need that we have to be loved and to be known. And this, this points to how we, we were created by love, right? Mm-hmm. And it's such a wonderful thing to be loved by God. It's just such a wonderful thing. Uh, we assume we're not. We assume that if there is a God, he's ticked off at us and we're kind of ticked off at him. And uh, we assume that we've out, we've outsinned his grace. Uh, yet for God to say that I love you and I've not forgotten you and I'm with you, it's just uh, there's just no message more beautiful than that. It's a life changing message. And, and we have distorted God's love in so many different ways. And I think, I mean, this is just my take that because we've distorted this gift of love, this Mm -hmm. fundamental love thing, that that also points to where the problems come in our lives, that we have disordered loves. Mm. Where, Where do you see the distortion? I see the distortion in when, you know, let's just say romantic love. Let's just use that as an example because everybody is looking for the perfect mate. Yeah. And that distorted, so we decide that if life would be fine and perfect, if I could just find my soulmate, Mm -hmm. the love of my life, and we could live happily, happily ever after. And that I think sets up, um, a, a scenario of distortion Mm-hmm. of what love truly is, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I've seen this wreak havoc in my life, in the lives of others. Um, you know, my, my parents were married when my mom was 17 and she was 19. What did they know of love? You get married, you got your kids, you, you, you provide for them, you, you know, you know, and I've seen their love. I saw their love because they're both gone now, gone to heaven, gone to be with the Lord. And I, I've seen, I saw their love in a different kind of way. I understood, I understood love as such a basic thing, you know, not romance and mm-hmm. flowers and, um, you know, and, and dinners, not that they didn't have some of that at some point, sure. Yeah. but their love was so basic. And so, you know, and my dad thought my mother was the most beautiful woman in the world to the day he died. Hmm. And I knew that, and he talked about it, and he cried once, just looking at his family and saying, I have the most beautiful family in the world. Yeah, yeah. And that's the kind of love I knew. And then I look at young people today, and, you know, that, um, you know, one woman, she has, you know, four kids from four different men, and all of them are now kind of dysfunctional because they don't know what's happening. There's no security. There's no father there full time, but there is a lot of angst and anguish 
mm-hmm. over um, the need to be loved by a father. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, that's that's kind of what I'm I'm seeing. I'm seeing this sort of uh, like you know, Mary Eberstadt wrote a book called uh, Primal Scream, mm-hmm. um, and she really talked about this sort of you know, sexual revolution has just wreaked havoc on on a, a few generations because of that. Mm-hmm. You know, this separation from God, separation from the need for the Father. We can't even see God's love because we don't have the, the earthly Father in order mm-hmm. to see God through. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. I know exactly what you're saying. I, 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 I think, too, this distortion that you really so adequately described there comes in in the way that we think okay if god so loved the world he would give me what i want yeah you know god's for god so loved the world he should give me what i want uh i'm in my office today at the church and just a few days ago there was a young couple in here whose child uh died about a week after childbirth born with some type of condition and uh and they i expected that they would come in uh brokenhearted i expected that i did not expect they would come in so angry Mm. but there was a raw anger that i i don't know if i've ever seen that level of cursing toward god uh just 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 hatred of god and what had happened is that is that they had assumed if there is a God, he will hear, he will answer these prayers in the form of a healed uh, baby. Because we knew the baby was uh, afflicted with this condition before childbirth. Mm-hmm. So of course we were all praying. And, and when the baby was born with this affliction and then did not survive, uh, anything I would say to them would be dismissed. They, they, they were utterly unopened to the idea that God is a loving God because he failed their test. Okay. And, and so mm-hmm. I, I think I hear what you're saying there and I hadn't really thought of the word distortion, but I think that's really true. I, I, I think that we have this understanding that if God so loved the world, then I'll find my soulmate or my baby will be healed. Or we, we all fill in that blank. Every single one of us has done that. Every single one of us. We have this idea. So, so God's definition of love is to get to the point that you made earlier, that he mm-hmm. gives us what we need, even when we ask for something else. <laughs> for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. It's as if God said, I love you so much that I'm going to give you your, the only begotten son, the only person who carries God's genetic makeup. Uh, I will become God on earth. I'll become Jesus Christ, and I will die for your sins because this is the deepest need that you have. You think the deepest need is for that baby to be healed or that soulmate to be found. But let me tell you, there's something even deeper. And that is, in order for you to be a part of this eternal kingdom, you need to, you need to have your sins paid for. <laughs> yeah, you because yeah. you cannot come in, you cannot come into the perfect kingdom with, uh, without having those sins paid for. Uh, somebody has to pay for those. Uh, otherwise, uh, you, God is not a just God. 
He's not a just God. He's a God who dismisses, who glosses over. But but I need to acknowledge that you have rebelled against me, and I need to I need that sin needs to be punished. But I'm going to take that punishment. Now that's the deepest need that you have. And so he so loved the world that he gave us himself in the form of Jesus Christ to do that. So he did not distort the love. Uh, we distort it uh, because we say, okay, God, if you love me, you'll do this. But God says, no, I love you. I'm going to give you the greatest thing, greatest gift you can ever imagine, even though you don't know you need it. Yeah. You know, you said that so wonderfully and so perfectly. And I remember um, hearing about hearing from um, my own pastor about um, that when we say, God, I love you, please give me such and such a thing. He says, whatever is the such and such a thing is really the thing that we love more than God. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> ouch. You know? yeah. ouch. Ouch. Yeah, I know. Oh, I, ouch. Felt, I felt that one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think there's a person on earth who would not feel convicted um, hearing that. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's, I remember when I used to watch, you know, the old movies and, you know, they, they'd they have a scene in the movie and somebody would die or somebody with some hardship and someone would say the words, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Hmm. And I grew up with look, looking, looking at that and feeling that kind of faith growing up. And you don't hear that today. You hear, yeah. you know, the couple in, in your office, you know, yeah. uh, you know, angry at God, you know, yeah. blaspheming, you know, the, the name of the Lord, because they, they yeah. how dare you do this? And, you know, even in my husband and I visited, uh, you know, the New, Newport mansions, you know, you get the tours of the big, you know, the gazillionaires of the you know, early 20th century. And you walk into these incredible mansions, they're castles, really. And, they tell you the story of the couple and I forgot which wealthy couple, but they'd had several children and uh, they'd lost quite a few of them um, either in childbirth or later mm. in their lives. And, yeah. and they said that the wife said at the death of their like son, like the son, they put all their hopes in. They said that the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I thought that was so profound because here you've got, these wealthy people who didn't think their wealth saved them yeah, or saved their son. Yeah. That even with all their wealth, they'd put God's love in perspective. Yeah. Yeah. That they How do save. we do that? How do we do yeah. that today? How do we do that today? Put God's love in perspective and put it in right order. Yeah. I, I keep going back to that idea that the whole purpose we're on earth is to accept or reject this grand invitation from God. And that is to, spend forever with him in a redeemed world, in redeemed bodies, in a redeemed society. Uh, that's his plan. And, and the purpose of this planet, the purpose of my time on that planet is to say yes or no. And uh, anything in addition that he gives me is, is, is cherry on the Sunday. Uh, he doesn't have to give me anything else. He doesn't have to give me anything else. So I think, I think if I can just acknowledge that's the reason I'm on this earth. Okay. And he's giving me everything. He's giving me everything. You know, by comparison, my time on this earth is the lifespan of a zygote, of a mosquito. <laughs> you know, when, when we all get to heaven, we'll say, oh, it went so 
fast. It went. I don't. I barely remember that time on Earth. Oh my goodness! What did? What <laughs> I know right now. It seems forever. But but when we have eternity, all of eternity, and we'll look back on this tiny speck of sand called life on Earth, and we'll be so grateful we said yes to that invitation. Uh, then I think that puts life life uh, in in perspective. You know, God bless your mom got to live to be, did you say 98 years yeah, old? 98. 98. Yeah, 98. And, and a half. We, <laughs> yeah. And here that I'm telling a story of a, of a child who lived 10 days. But in comparison to eternity, who lives that long? You know, 10 yeah. days, nine, 100 years. Even so, both of them are just a tiny speck, you know, compared to eternity. Uh, your mom, God bless her, was faithful all her life. This baby, God bless him, was translated into heaven after 10 days of life. Uh, we don't know the assignment that we get. We're all given different lengths of assignment. Those days are determined before we're born. Uh, and and our, our privilege is to use every one of them in a way that uh, reflects this great, great invitation that we've been given. Pastor Max Lucado, I want to thank you so much. The book is called um, 316, um, The Numbers of Hope. You know, I don't ask many people to do this, but I, I always want to get you to do this. Can you just say a prayer um, for us right now? I'll be happy to. Thank you. Oh, bless my dear sister today, Lord. Bless her today, please. And the burdens that she carries as we all have burdens, would you lift those, please? We thank you that you have positioned her so strategically and in the crossroads of uh, media uh, to speak words of hope and life uh, in her role. We thank you for the wisdom. We thank you for the fact that you've saved her soul. We thank you, Lord, that she will soon be in the presence of Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. And we thank you. And we thank you for all your listeners today. I love uh, the way you love them, the way you care for them. I'm so thankful, Father, for them. I pray a blessing on every person who uh, may be listening to this program today. Everyone, even those, maybe especially those who don't like you. <laughs> Would you please <laughs> just be kind to them as you've been kind to me. Uh, thank you for uh, the Fox News organization. Uh, no organization is perfect, but this organization uh, has, has helped many of us to think better and think more clearly. Pray your blessing upon this this organization. But Lord, remind us all that life is brief. It's going fast. And may we say yes to this great invitation. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Pastor Maslogato. And thank you so much. Uh, this has been Lighthouse Faith Podcast. Thank you for much for listening. Um, have a blessed day. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.